Sam. How good is this? Dude, so sick. So sick. Yeah. Hold on, let I'm me make sure everything is all, all right here. Yeah, easy, easy. Yeah, how's the look on your side? I think, yeah, it looks pretty good to me. Looks pretty good to me. All right. Let, hold on, let me turn off these fans. Yeah, no dramas. <clears throat> you got a good little setup there, right? Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, you're uh, you're here in Wilmington or Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina, with me. And uh, oh, you kidding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I was um, on a little trip up to Virginia Beach. Took about six hours south. Yeah. And um, and hold on, we're gonna get into all that. So, uh, welcome. Yeah. Should we start the program? Let's go. All right, sweet. This is Speaking From Water with Sam Henson Thompson, and we are just so enthralled uh, to be with you. Um, this is a program that is uh, dedicated uh, with a mission to bring uh, the legends of water to the public, to inspire them, to inspire the youth as to uh, all the, the things that we get from the water. And um, Sam, it's, it's an honor to have you with us. Yeah, thank you, Sean. Honestly, like I'm so happy you got me got me on here. I'm very excited to chat a bit of shop, see what happens. Yeah, dude. So just to rewind the clock about a week, um, that was mm. the first time you popped onto my radar, and I was watching the open surf ski at the national championships uh, for the United States Lifesaving Association in Virginia yeah. Beach, and um, Virginia, and you were just like a football field away from the, the, the second place, the pack, the third place. And um, I was just blown away. And, you know, first I, I watched the start and you were just like, bam, right off the bat, your form, everything was just admirable. And I said, man, that guy is something from somewhere. And, um, you know, you coasted in and I walked up to you and I introduced myself and sure enough, you were from uh, the, the great God's country of Australia and I was so stoked to um, to you know to meet you. So um, let me first start off by uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm plugging, deleting some things here that are popping in. Um, so let me first start off by asking you, um, how was that win? Was that like like just uh, you know walking the park for you? Uh, how did you feel going into that race? Um, so it was actually a bit of a crazy situation because I'd done about a week of traveling. Um, like only a few days before that, I hadn't slept for about three, four days. I just couldn't get into the groove. Um, obviously, coming from Australia to the US, it's like a, I think it's a 16 hour time difference um, on the west side. And then it's a 12 hour time difference on the east side. So just getting, um, just getting there and being able to race was, was awesome. Um, when I got on the line, I was feeling pretty, pretty shocking, to be honest. Um, I didn't have a lot of a lot of energy. If it was the day before, I think I would have raced a lot better. Um, but on the day, you know, was feeling pretty shit. Um, got on the line, ended up doing the race, and just kind of when I'm racing, I don't really think about anything else. I don't really like the lead or how far behind doesn't really care. I don't really care about where everyone else is. It's just kind of get into the race, um, do what do what I plan to do, and. Um, for some reason, just I kind of I kind of scope out what's going to happen in the quarters and the semis. Um, you can kind of sc scope out what's going to happen. So I kind of looked at um, everyone else's starts and I went, you know, I'm going to get them on the start here. Um, in the final, I'm going to just get in the boat and get out as quickly as possible and hopefully hold them off. And I kind of, you know, the night before, put that plan um, in my head. And then on the day, I put that plan into action and it worked out perfectly. So you, you, you did the semis and you kind of got a feel for the competition and, and where you, you stacked up and um, how, how, how did you feel? That's right. So in the semis, for example, um, I could, I could kind of gauge or calculate my whole, the whole thing about racing is kind of calculating your competitors. Um, even though when you actually race, I kind of put everything aside. So if someone falls off next to me, I'm going to make sure that that doesn't affect me at all sort of thing. I feel like there's there's a lot of people in surf sports that can blame the guy next to you or blame the guy behind you or in front of you, but that's what surf racing is all about. It's all about you know coming from behind or extending that lead. Um, 
so in the semis, my whole thing was just calculating about what what's going to happen in the in the next race in the final. So even watching the other race, the other semi final, and seeing who can get in their boat quickly, who turns the cans properly, who can run the runners, that just you know that just puts it all into a massive massive kind of map for me. So I know what I do what what to do in the final. And obviously, you kind of look at what everyone else does, and then you play your advantages, or you go, okay, well. I need to try figure this out so I can beat this guy. And so in that final race, you hop in your ski, everything goes according to plan. And yeah. is, is your game plan just, I'm going to max out my intensity level for this first, like, um, how, how long? What, so what it, yeah. So it's a, it's a funny situation because I've never paddled a boss ski before and they, they are completely different to what I paddled back here at home. Another thing is, um, so your, your paddle, your paddle is, it's a pretty personal thing. Like they've got, um, a certain degrees that you use and also a certain length. So I'm using a paddle that I've never used before. It's a different degrees to what I usually paddle. It's a lot shorter. Um, so I, I would love to jump in a boat and just be able to max out and go. Um, but unfortunately, because I'm not used to the boat, I'm not used to the paddle, I just got to, I got to almost hold it back a little bit. So in that final, uh, I jumped in the boat. It was actually quite a, a, a slow jump. And then getting up to speed probably took a little bit longer than I would have liked um, just because I'm not used to the equipment. But yeah, basically jumped in the boat and went as hard as I could. And I knew Brian Murphy to my left. He, he's a good paddler. He's a really good paddler. So I thought if I can just break him on the start, um, I knew I had a better start than him and a bit more power. So I knew if I could break him, he's probably not going to get me on the way back in. And, you know, executed the plan and it worked out perfectly. So, so much in surf ski in, is that those little running waves from what I understand and in my own That's minor true. experience. Um, and that day there was a, a little swell in the water. Did, did any of that take into account on your way back in? For sure. Um, so the way most of us look at it is that's your kind of that's your kind of I wouldn't say your rest but if you can get um if you can get around the course first and you're on those runners or on those waves first it's very hard for someone behind to push over a wave you know you can it's not often you can paddle over a wave so if you get to that last can or you guys call it a boy first um <clears throat> there's the best chance that you're going to win, especially if you've got a little bit of a lead, because then if you fall off a run or fall off a wave, you've still got the chance that they're not going to get over one or two waves um, to catch up to you. So I think on the way in, you know, it doesn't really matter if you, you, your shoulders are blown out and the forearms are blown out. It's just, you just got to be able to run those runs and, you know, run those waves and turn anything into a wave. That's that's the main goal, um, especially at the the back end of a ski race. What is your ideal scenario on conditions when you uh, are racing? Do you do you like a really uh, rough ocean, or do you like it just milked out glass? Like, what suits your personal style? Oh, so uh, I go back to um, when I was young. So, mum and dad knew nothing about the ocean. They're both from Europe, and then we moved to Australia, and we kind of they just threw me in the ocean and I, I was in well, let, let you know, me there. Where, um, where did they move to? So we moved to Melbourne. So we were in Melbourne for the first, I think it was the first 13 years of my life. Um, we were in Melbourne for the first 13 years. And then I moved to the sunshine coast, um, for this back half. And then I've been in WA for a couple of years now as well. So I've kind of moved around, um, pretty much since I was 17, I've been going in and out of the sunshine coast and, gone around australia um but yeah so there you go and when when was your first uh, glimpse of uh, this surf life-saving culture and um let me uh for those of you who don't understand um surf life-saving culture it was really born in australia and the um the, the americans have kind of co-opted a lot of the cultures such as the caps and even down to the um the the races itself and um sam so my direct question to you here is like that culture is so deep in Australian culture, surf lifesaving culture. Um, w w when did you um, get this coming from abroad? Yeah, so I think um, it's just kind of thrown at you. And going going back to your previous question with 
like what, what my conditions are or what conditions are like. I just love big surf. And I think to, to be an Australian or to, be, to live in Australia on the coast, everyone lives on the coast. There's not many people who live inland. So everyone lives on the coast. You get, you, you got to understand the ocean. And when it's big, it, it gets pretty hairy out here. So I think um, <clears throat> mum and dad going, you know, we want our son to be good in the ocean. We want him to, you know, be able to survive um, at, at, at the worst, you know, pull someone out of a rip or save someone. Um, so that's kind of where the whole surf life saving culture comes from. Another thing is it's, it's on the TVs here. Um, we've got the Kellogg's Nutrigrain Ironman series and, and stuff like that. So there is actually people you can kind of look up to. Um, I guess there's not a lot of that overseas where here it's really pronounced. Like there's guys, um, Grant, Kenny, Clint Robinson, all these names you can say to pretty much anyone in Australia and they'll know exactly who they are. Trevor Hendy as well. He's a, he's a legend. Right. And so tell me, um, where, where, where's the beach you were introduced to and um, at what age were you um, really starting to like, I guess, mm. um, start competing and, um, and doing the, uh, the competition thing? Yeah. So my first ever surf life saving club was called Black Rock and that's in the Bay of Melbourne. So it's completely flat. Um, you might get a bit of a wind wave every now and then, but I'm talking less than a foot. And mum and dad threw me in when I was about five years old. So I've been doing this sport since about five years old. The last few years have been on and off uh, due to uni and traveling and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, five years old is kind of when I started. And then I think when you're about seven or, seven or eight years old, you can start competing. And that's when you got your states and, and all that. And you, at that age, you're not really competing in the surf, especially in Melbourne. Um, places like Queensland and New South Wales, when you're five years old, you're out in five, six foot surf on your nipper board. You know, it's just, it's a completely different life. Um, so I kind of got into it late, moving to the Sunshine Coast as a 13 or 14 year old. I was actually quite late to the party, um, especially in terms of my surf skills. So that kind of gave me a bit more motivation to, you know, let's get, let's get up to these guys and see how we go. And when you say surf skills, you're talking about the boards particularly or all, all the, um, uh, the ski and the swimming, um, what, what do you mean? Well, well, just everything, you know, even just being out there floating, you, you know. Because you're coming, um, from, you're coming from the flat waters of the bay. Exactly. I'm coming from nothing, no experience in the surf at all. I mean, we would make, our, we would make trips to the surf coast every now and then. Um, but it just, you know, that's, that's once a week, probably not even once a fortnight. Um, so it's nothing compared to, you know, finishing school and going down the surf club and being out in the ocean um, for three, four hours. So I, I, I know as soon as I moved to the Sunshine Coast, it was, you'd go to school, you'd finish at two o'clock, you'd be down at the beach, you'd surf for a couple of hours, then you'd train and then you'd surf after training again. So it's just, it's incomparable, absolutely incomparable. Can you tell us a little story about the first time on the Sunshine Coast where you were introduced to, um, um, you know, intense juice, uh, it, uh, the, the, the big waves that you now like a lot. Um, what, what was that experience? Yeah, so I think oh, it must have been two weeks in. We got, um, I, was, I was at Maruchador Surf Club. Uh, I think I was just trying out. I was just trying out to see what, what surf club was right for me. And we were doing a thing called a paddleback. It's basically when um, a bus and a trailer, you put all your boards and your craft on the trailer and we'll bus about 20 kilometers. So I think about 15 miles down, down the road. And what we'll do is we'll use the wind to paddle, um, paddle back to the surf club with the wind. So you kind of do this big triangle. So you get to the beach where you paddle from, you paddle out about, uh, two kilometers so about you know a mile and a half you paddle out and then you run the swell and the wind all the way back to the surf club and it takes takes about an hour and a half sometimes um anyway so we got down and it was it was six to eight foot and i'm not used to the surf and i'm on my massive board it's uh, it's 10 foot six it's got i don't know i don't even know how many liters about a million liters in them um i'm paddling out and i i just could not get out Anyway, I ended up on the beach, looked like a washed up rag doll. And the coach is like, 
mate, you, you've thrown yourself in the deep end. You know, we can tell your skills aren't there, but I know you can paddle. So all you have to do is attack this surf. So anyway, I spent the next 10 minutes just attacking out to sea, getting through these waves and boom, I popped out the other side and I got out the back and I did my board, my board down window all the way back. And that kind of just set a spark for me. I, I went, you know, like what, what's my capabilities? I thought I was done. I was on the beach. I was ready to jump back in the bus. And I was the only one, like there were, there were younger kids who were making it out. And I went, you know, I, I'm done here. Um, and ended up just going completely flipping my mindset from I can't to I can. And after that, it was as soon as the swell was maxing out, my goal was, even if it wasn't for training, it was just to get out on a board, on a ski, go for a swim, you know, just pound myself around and see what happens. Now, looking back on that situation, what was it? Was it your um, your lack of uh, time knowing about swell um uh changes in in um when to go out like how to time yourself what what particularly have you learned now that you say oh i i got this your confidence is through the roof well it's all about learning the conditions and knowing and kind of preempting what's going to happen i guess um with surf racing it's do i sit back and pop this i don't know what you guys call it you kind of sit back and pop the wave or do i roll it i think you guys call it turtle um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of different things, but also it's positioning on the craft, how to use the craft properly. Um, you know, there's, there's hundreds of different ways to, to do things. And that's why when, when it comes to surf racing, not always the best guy wins, um, cause there's so many variables. And I think for me, it was learning the conditions was the major one because I kind of knew where to sit on my board and. Um, where to sit in the ski and how to how to you know kind of control it um, I think it's really just about being out there and you know you, sometimes you can tell what wave is going to double up or you can go this is the first set wave there's probably three bigger ones coming after it so knowing when to sit back and also knowing when to go is probably the biggest thing incredible um mm. Where um where do you see um your your career going? Do you do you uh, want to get on the Nutrigrain series out there? Like what what are kind of your your goals with your your sport at the moment? Yeah, so this has kind of been a big revamp for me. So I've been I've been traveling pretty much for the last three years, and um I, I haven't been doing much of the sport. I actually was in Perth and I was a head coach of City of Perth Surf Club for a year. And then I kind of moved away from that because um, it wasn't, you know, I, I love the sport, but it just, it wasn't the right time to come back for me. So I've actually moved out to a place called Exmouth, which is in the desert, right out in, in, in the um, Northwest of Australia. And I've kind of, from, from going out and, you know, leaving everything, um, it's kind of made me realize that I want to come back into it. So I got invited um, to come on this, you know, this team full of full of Australians over to California. And when the opportunity came to race at the Nationals, I thought, you know, how about I just, you know, jump in and kind of see what happens. And lo and behold, uh, kind of got a love of the sport again. So my plan is now to go back to the Sunshine Coast and, and train up for, for Aussies and give it, you know, another red hot crack. I think um, <clears throat> I've got my shoulders are, are pretty cooked from when I was younger from swimming. Um, so I'd, I'd love to get back into irons, but I think at the moment, my, my major goal is, um, to get maybe a ski race title or, you know, get back on the board. Even, uh, I haven't been a board paddler for probably five, six years. Um, but I think the ski is probably my best shot. And one thing at a time, let's give, let's give the, the ski a shot. Yeah. So to take you to the present moment, I was looking on your Instagram feed. I think you posted it yesterday. You, uh, you did a sick 360 on the on the surf rescue board and then you gave mm. a little um little shout out there to uh with trent nixon is, is that his name yeah tex dixon <laughs> Dixon, yeah yeah so um so I, yeah. I um in preparation for nationals i was watching all the footage that had just come out of, of your aussies like six months ago and that mm. board race he did was was amazing so um yeah. is is that where where you're seeing yourself as far as um the competition yeah so it it, it came across as a bit of a joke because no no I, I, love, I understand yeah. I, I got it I, I understand yeah. Australian yeah. for sure 100 yeah. 100 so yeah. Tex and I have been right on 
racing together or been alongside. Like I've known him since he was, you know, five years old sort of thing. We've been, we both came from Melbourne and we both moved to Queensland and we both had the exact same dream. So we're, we're exactly on the same level. And, you know, like he's done really well and obviously won the board title. Um, so it was kind of just a, you know, just, just a bit of fun. And I think I, I can get back there if I find a board big enough. I think like I'm about 110 kilo, which is, you know, it's 20, 220 pounds, probably more. I think it's a bit more than 220 pounds. Um, and how tall so, are you? Yeah, you're, you're very tall, 6'4"? Yeah, I'm about 6'5". I'm 6'5". Six six so, yeah, yeah. So I think, um, you know, I paddled that JM at um, Nationals in the USA and that's a 110 kilo board. And that kind of, that was the best board I've kind of ever paddled just because of how much it floats me. I use a 90 kilo back at home. So I think if I can get a, a good enough board and I can get some good training in on the Sunshine Coast, I'll be up there this year, but um, hopefully next year, you know, we'll give it, give it a bit more of a crack. While we're on the subject of, of the rescue board, uh, I'd like to ask you a few questions about your style mm. of racing uh, in, in that mm. domain. When, when you approach um, a, a surf rescue uh, race, do you, um, what, what, what are kind of the strategies uh, from the entry to when you're on your knees to when you choose to go on, on, your, on, on the prone? Um, what, what's kind of the game plan? Yeah, so there's not too much that I can, <clears throat> that I can just openly blur because that's kind of my differentiator because I'm so, I'm so um, tactical with what I do. So you, 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 uh, you top pros keep this tight secrets. These are, these are top secrets. I mean, there, there's some things that I, I just don't tell people because I know oh, that's my differentiator. Very good. Um, but there's, keep it there's some simple things. There's no one listening here. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's some simple things. Like going out for the surf, it, it's a lot quicker on your knees because if you can imagine, if you're prone and a wave hits you on the chest, you've got your whole chest and that wave pushing you back. Whereas if you're on your knees, that wave kind of, can rush through, goes to the left and the right of your knees and between your knees even. So little things like that make a massive difference. Also being on your knees, you're in a, a much quicker um, position to pop over the wave. And also there's a, um, you've got a bit more force. So if you need a roll, you've got your whole body weight with you. Whereas if you're prone, you just kind of got to flop off the side. Um, it's little things like that on the way out where it actually does make a difference, like a massive difference because you, you watch in, in an Aussie, Aussie's board race, not even when it's flat, people have faster and slower starts. And really everyone should be the same on a start. Like the power doesn't really matter. It's just get the rating up and go. Um, even just your positioning on the board on a start, having being able to, I guess, um, transfer that speed off the beach onto the board um some people like to get straight on the guts and kind of stomach bash and i think that works in some um some places but then also getting up on the knees and being able to get over your stroke and power down um is a huge thing now in in, in i think like a general rule or well you can actually like kind of skew it a little bit and some people make places but going around the cans is everyone treats it as a bit of a rest, um, which is just kind of what it is. I mean, because you go so hard off the start, you get in your position, and then there's not a lot of opportunity to make or um, lose position on the cans. I think if you mess up, there is, but maybe um, if, you're, if you're in a pack or you're out in front, you, there's not a lot of room to, um, to you know, move up or move back or, or whatever. So people treat it as a rest. So I think... We've come to the to the age now where people are actually trying to do attacks at the cans or around the cans, um, which is kind of exciting. Um, but for me, it's usually just a bit of a rest because I go so hard off the start and I try to be at the front end. And I know that my back end is where I kind of got the surf skills to come back past people. So if I'm sitting in fifth in a board race, this is obviously quite a while ago now. I haven't done a lot of board racing um, but I kind of backed myself that I had the surf skills to come back up um, a few places, if not try to win the, win the race. Um, and then on the way in, it's just about having, I mean, just draining the battery. You know, you've got, you've got your limit and you've just got to push. I think there was 
there was a, a year where I was as fit as I was, um, or the fittest I've ever been. And pretty well every board race I did, every final of the board race I did, I'd run up the beach seeing stars because I just had nothing left, nothing left. So I think it's all about knowing when to use your energy and where the power needs to be and all little things like this hundreds of other things that I could talk about, but that's just kind of the simple stuff. How about when you're, you round the apex can, when do you start looking back for that wave that might be there? And does that um, slow you down at all when you look? So it completely depends where you are. There's, there's a place called Kira in, on, the, on the Gold Coast in Australia. So basically a few years ago, we had Aussies there and at the apex can, it was breaking. It was the waves were breaking at the apex can. So obviously, <coughs> obviously you're looking for waves as soon as you turn that apex can and you want to try. That, did you compete in that event? Um, I wasn't, I wasn't board paddling at that stage. No, I, I mean, I was a board. Um, yeah. I was a ski paddler. You, were um, you were you skiing at that event? Because I think I saw some footage of just complete carnage of of the skis during that event, and it just looked like this is this is a ski event that um, will really wipe out any your your chances of winning are are anyone's game, um, which makes it, it so beautiful, yeah. really. Yeah, I mean the the way that beach, like I've got a love for that beach. North Korea is probably the most <clears throat> insane beach to race at. Um, a lot of people don't like it because there's massive sweeps, there's a shore break, and there's a massive back bank. So I think... Um, is this right at the jetty? My... Is, it, is North Korea right at, at the jetty where the eagle is over the um, sculpture? Yeah, so that's that's Kira. So you got Kira, and then it's just a little bit north. It's probably about a kilometre north of there. So, so kind of three quarters of a mile. Yeah, mile. so... Yeah. So it, go, it, it goes, you got, you, you got snapper rocks up the top, then you got kind of your Green Mount, then your Rainbow Bay, then your Kira, and then you got North Kira. So it's kind of heading, heading north towards um, Surfer's Paradise sort of thing. Um, but the funny thing about that whole, that whole place in racing is, I think in one of the ski races, <clears throat> the, the gun goes and we're all paddling out and there's a little bit of a shore break and, it was calm. It was flat. It was completely flat. And you've got about um, 200 meter paddle until you're kind of out the back where the swell hits. Right. And by the time we got there, there's just six foot, seven foot monsters freight training down this bank. And we're all looking at it. A few of us kind of sat back. Um, well, a few of the guys sat back and went, you know, we're just going to wait this one out. But I thought, you know, how about we just pin it? And I had one of my really good mates next to me. I said, Jai, I'm, I'm going to go here. Um, and he goes, all right. So I went, he went, we both pinned it. My ski went sky high. Um, I'm pretty sure he got belted, but he eventually got out. So it's just little things like that. <clears throat> um, the, the, everyone who waited ended up, you know, getting through to the, to the next round, but because I made that risk and I thought, you know, let's have a bit of fun with this. Um, didn't quite make it to the next round and, you know, I had to swim my skiing and, you know, paddles and all sorts. So, you know, for me, it's, it's almost just a bit of fun at the moment, but I'd love to get back to um, serious racing for sure. Amazing. What is the, um, the, the, like, give me a, a day in the life of your, of, of your, uh, your current, uh, are, are, are you, what what are you doing? Yeah, so I'm I'm not really doing much um, in terms of surf sports. That's why in about late October I'm planning on going back to the Sunshine Coast and giving it a, a red hot crack to April. Um, but just in general life now, it's pretty much wake up. I'll go to work, so I do a bit of construction stuff here in in Exmouth. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of um, other work around here. Like there's a lot of tourism tourism stuff, um, but I found that. I can't really train or I can't really surf or dive outside that. So I'll go and do, you know, do some work, um, put up a few frames or, you know, whatever. Um, and then I'll go, usually I'll go to the beach, whether it's surfing, diving, whatever. I've got a jet ski, my mate's got boats and all sorts of stuff. So, so yesterday I, I worked till about 
one o'clock and then we went diving for four hours and you know i can barely hear you now because both my ears are absolutely cooked from from all the pressure and the equalization but you know i, I just love it like this whole this whole life i live is completely just off off the grid kind of a bit rogue um not not normal i'd say and and this is a western um is it are you north of perth Yes, I'm about halfway, I'm halfway up Australia. If you look at it on a map, um, Western Australia goes the whole length um, and I'm about halfway up. So it, it's warm. It's warm here and it's it's winter. Um, Perth, Perth is freezing cold. It's 14 hours drive from Perth. So it's a long way. It's a long way um, north of Perth. So this isn't the season for, for life-saving sport um, as it is here in America because... It's um it's winter where you are, it's summer where we are. So you you kind of are gonna be beginning your season in October, you say. And um when you when you go into that world, is that is that something that is gonna be um uh, shockingly different? Are you gonna just completely up your training level? What's that gonna look like? Yeah, so it, it's gonna be completely opposite to what I'm doing now. At the moment, I am pretty much doing no training. Um <clears throat> I kind of just rely on the base fitness that I've got from years ago and also just the diving and surfing um fitness as well and then i do a little bit of running not much and then also just the physical labor that i do with work and stuff it's just kind of gets me over the line especially um racing over in the us I, I i did as much training as i could um but i only had a, about a few months to prepare so i don't even have a surf ski where i live now um so i haven't, I haven't paddled a surf ski for probably three, four months. Um, that that nationals race was kind of the first time I've been on a ski in a while and especially being on a different ski is completely different. Had no fuel left or anything like that. When I move back to the Sunshine Coast, it's going to be, you know, balls to the wall kind of thing. Um, you know, I've set my plan as I want to get back into racing and I want to do well at these Aussies. I know I've got the base. I've got the skills. I think that's kind of my differentiator. The skills is definitely... Um, where I kind of win or lose. Um, my fitness is always pretty monotone. Like there's a lot of guys that are a lot fitter than me um, and can, you know, run a ski and run a board a lot quicker than me, but um, the skills is kind of where I get them. So <clears throat> I'm just going to get back to the Sunshine Coast, get as fit as I can and hopefully get my fitness to as close as those top guys. And then the skills will, will um, you know, let the, let the rest happen how it happens. Well, Sam, that completely blows me away right now because like intuitively I would think the guy who just destroys the surf ski at nationals has been just pounding training and he is, uh, he's, he's gotta be at the, at the top of, of his physical condition, which really speaks volumes to just your pure, um, I guess, um, natural ability and your, the, the amount of history and time that you've been on the surf ski, uh, in particular. So, um, how, how, how much more does your body change? Would you say when you start going balls to the wall? Like, are we talking about like a minute percent difference or do you see a drastic percent difference in your performance? So I, I actually had, um, one of my major or one coach that kind of changed my whole perspective on racing was a guy called Clint Robinson. And he, he told me about this thing called the apprenticeship and it's, it's so many hours you do in a, in a kayak or in a surf ski or on a board where you actually become kind of the, like the next level. Like there's a, like anyone can paddle a board fast. If you're a swimmer, you can jump on a board and you can just stomach bash the thing and paddle it just as fast as kind of anyone else. But it's not until you kind of do that apprenticeship where there's this next level where it's like another 15, 20% and people just kind of look at you and go, oh my God, like, <laughs> This guy's a freak. So I think it, I think it's saying like 4,000 hours or it, it's probably more. It's probably 10,000 hours on a certain amount of craft where you just become this absolute animal on it. So that's why uh, we'll go back to Tex Dixon. He's been wanting to win that board, paddle, uh, that board title for, for years, for probably 10 years, you know, sort of thing. And I bet he paddled every single day or every single day he could to get that apprenticeship sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, what was the question you were going back to before? Yeah, how how is your level of fitness ch changing when you when you yeah. start going balls to the wall, as they say, in your mm -hmm. fitness? 
and, so and, 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 and let me uh, let me pause this real quick. I, I've hmm. I, I've uh, like ten more minutes, maybe fifteen more minutes. I'll, I want to speak with you, but the Zoom is gonna is gonna stop. Can I send you a new link and we just link up on that? Yeah, let's do right, it. I'm gonna do it right now. Give me give me two okay. minutes. Here we go. All right, so easy. <laughs> We're back. We're back. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Super important. I, I, this is like my favorite part of what's going on with our whole conversation. <laughs> so, you know, I probably have about four hours on a ski. I can ride it without tip tipping. Okay. It gets me mm. through the, um, the old man um, uh, age group event of the Ironman. Okay. Now, yeah. really good. You say you got to put in a hundred, uh, 10,000 hours. Uh, um, and, and it does, and this probably goes to anything in life, anything you want to do. And particularly in surf lifesaving, you got to do it on the ski. You got to do it on the board and you got to do it in the, in the pool swimming to be, um, the best of the best. And just to drive this point home, this is what I personally love most about the surf lifesaving sport is the, the the amount of time one has to put themselves in the water on a on a craft or using their own body to just um not even i wouldn't say do battle with the ocean to be in sync with the ocean and to live in the ocean comfortably under any conditions so i would like to um to to go in, kind of more in that direction with you um how how, how does that um work and and love live inside yourself when you put all that time on something in the water and, and, and what does that do for your mental state when you come out of that situation? I mean, you, you gotta love it. Um, there's no point competing and, and racing if, if you don't like it, you know, you're never going to, you're never going to get to where you want to get to if, if you, if you're not loving it, you know, like you hear about all these guys who, um, who are really good surfers and they just love surfing, but, they, they don't compete. And they, that's why there's a thing called free surfing. And obviously there's nothing like that for surf life saving. But <clears throat> I think you, you see those top guys and when they've got the opportunity, so around work, around school, around university, they are in the ocean or their life is driven towards that goal of maybe winning an Ironman or a ski paddle or, I mean, a board or whatever. Like they dedicate their life to it. Um, which I think is really cool. So pretty well, all those guys in the Nutri-Grain, they, they would swim every morning, maybe have Sunday as a rest. Um, they would have midday sessions at the gym and then they would have their craft sessions in the afternoon. So you're looking at, oh geez, you're looking at three sessions a day, um, six days a week, <clears throat> which is absolutely crazy. And even, even when I was in school and I was younger, I think I was doing 15, 16 sessions a week, not including... The sport that I played at school as well. So, um, you know, you dedicate your life to it. And I loved it. You know, there wasn't one point where I didn't love it. It, it just kind of um, fizzled out when when COVID happened. Everything slowed up, and that was kind of where I went. You know, maybe I have to look at um, my life a little bit more and go. Let's just kind of find something that I enjoy doing um, while there's no racing and training. And then I found surfing and I found diving and I found. Um, kind of like packing up the car and driving anywhere in Australia and just kind of figuring figuring myself out. Um, and then that's kind of where I got my love for coaching. So I kind of figured that, um, you know, let's give coaching a go. And by doing that, I kind of figured out, oh, look, I'm still a little bit too young um, to coach. I mean, I'm not too young to coach, but it's just it's not the right time of my life. And I want to get back into racing and training. So this winter, I kind of stuck it out in Exmouth where it's warm. Um, I, I cannot deal with the cold. I just can't deal with the cold. So I've stuck it out in Exmouth and I've kind of made the plan to go back to the Sunshine Coast and, you know, possibly get back into, um, you know, 12, 13 sessions a week and just give my best myself the best shot at um, the Australian titles in April. What What is it about the nature of competition that, that you love so much and is really ingrained so much in Australian culture? I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to visit Australia a few times, and there's just a, a different attitude of, um, of uh, and it's a friendly competition across mm. all, all activities, um, whether it's the old men bowling down the road, like, like 
in your culture, competition is 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 part of it. Um, can you kind of speak a little bit about that to our people? Yeah. So everyone has a mutual respect for each other. I think it starts, it comes from um, maybe your school sport or, or when you're young, right? So most people in Australia start sport when they're really young. Um, it's just one of those places where at school you're given all, every opportunity to find kind of what sport you like or, you know, whether it's swimming or hockey or anything. Like, you know, they, they kind of throw you in and you, yeah, most schools you're kind of forced to do it as well. So, so you don't really have an option. And... <clears throat> That's where I really learned, um, you know, all about camaraderie and respecting the other teammates and um, all that sort of stuff. Also, when you watch um, sport on TV, it's there's no, you know, sometimes there's bits of aggression, but most of the time people hug it out or shake hands after, you know, it's, it happens, especially with, we've got this thing called AFL, which is, um, yeah, it's Australian Football League, which is completely different to the NFL. Um and that's rough. Like there's, it's, it's just tackling the whole time. It's a messy game, but you, you, you get to the end of the game and everyone shakes hands. No one holds a grudge. It, you know, some guys get yocked in the face and break their jaw. And like a week later, they're, they're best mates with the, with the guy who did it. So it's just one of those things that um, you kind of just grown up into it. And especially with surf racing, you got to get used to losing because you can be so much faster than everyone else and you could be a hundred meters ahead of everyone else, but there's a luck of the draw and a wave comes from behind and 20 people come past you. People throw their boards, snap their paddles, do all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, that's exactly, you, you sign up for that, you know? Um, and I think that whole thing has got a lot better. Um, there's obviously room for um, improvement everywhere, but I think, Compared to back in the day, like you see guys punching their skis and getting really aggressive towards each other, that doesn't really happen as often anymore. I think it's just that respect of the, also the sport, just like, you know, the sport's still growing and I think it's pretty cool. So you do a lot of coaching with younger kids. How, how do you speak um, about the subject of losing to them when, when it is so competitive and everyone does want to win when the losing happens, which happens more often than the winning? Um, what, what is your uh, what do you say to the youth? So we had um, we had some some times when there was a bit of swell down in Perth and we would, you know, we'd go training and people would kind of, we call it a bit of a dummy spit. Um, it's basically where you just, you kind of just go hands up and you just go like, what is going on, blah, blah, blah. Or you blame blame it on a wave or blame it on someone. Um, I just, uh, if any of that happens, I kind of just sit them down and I just say, look, can you control that wave out there? And they go, no. And you go, can you control what that person does next to you? And they go, no. And so why are you worried about it? Um, Actually, I think I was at, yeah, the USA Nationals and something happened and a competitor goes, oh, you know, like this guy did that and um, the, the, gu the gun went off and um, we ran into a wave and, you know, you, you have all these things that happen, um, but you cannot control them. Like there's some things you can, like I guess the, the guy with the gun could do this or that or, you know, start a bit later or watch the ocean a bit more. But at the end of the day, the gun goes off. It's a, it's a rat. It doesn't really matter. Like you can't tell what happens out the back. You can't like what happens if one of the, I don't know, like a boat goes in front of you. Like you can't, you can't control any of that. So I think um, teaching them at a young age that not to worry about the things you can't control. That's a massive difference. By the end of the, like I did a whole season there at city of Perth surf club. By the end of the season, the attitudes change of almost every kid, you know, they, they went into Aussies, um, they tried the hardest and if things didn't work out, they go, oh, well, next year, you know, that's kind of the attitude you got to have in surf, surf racing. Incredible. Final mm. question uh, before we wrap this up, uh, a yeah. large macro question here. What is, um, what is the meaning of life? The meaning of life. I think just to live every day, basically the way I look at it is, if I died, I would want to die happy. I, would, I, I want to die knowing that to this age, I've done every single thing I could, um, which at the moment is pretty spot on because I, I wake up and, you know, it's 5 a.m. on a Sunday and I'm ready to go. Like I'm, I'm going diving all day today. I, I, if, I, if I died, I just want to, look, I want everyone to go, 
he just did everything. He didn't sit on the couch. He didn't sit in bed. He didn't lay around. He didn't wait for anything or wait for anyone. He went and chased it. So I think chasing it is just the way. That's the way of life. Sam Henson Thompson, thank you for joining us, man. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I hope we can meet again. I'm sure we will. And um, sure. ne next year is a Galveston, Texas. Uh, are Will yeah. you be there? I'll be there. I'm, I've fallen in love with the USA, so I'll definitely be back there. Epic. Hey, how can we get you to race for Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina? Oh, oh, give me that drink. Like, give me that I, drink. Got a, I got I'll a black cap over there for you. Like, what is it going to take? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's tough. As an Aussie, it's really tough to get in the US, especially if you want to work or race or, or, or whatever. It's, it's, it's tough. So um, there are ways to get, get past. And one of those ways is, you know, you've got to have a skill. Yeah. So what, what, I mean, before we break a little extra here, mm. how, how did you uh, race for half moon Bay who I believe you were racing for? What, what's the nature yeah. of, um, of that, that cross ship? Do you. So I've been, I was a part of half moon for, for a lot of my kind of racing life. Um, and when, when I heard that they were going to go do a USA tour, I went, you know, I'll join, I'm going to join back up. Um, so I can do this sort of thing not saying I'm going to be with them for Aussies or for the rest of the season. It's literally just so I can go and do this race and, you know, I kind of fell in love with the club and the people again. So who knows what happens, but um, so that's why I was part of half moon and, and I came across and cause I'm a member there now, it's, you know, I'll, I'll race for them and, and do that kind of stuff. I'm still a member there for the rest of the season. So um, that's how it all works. But in, in terms of um, being an eligible racer at, nationals you have to be you have to be a lifeguard i'm not sure if how many days you've got to do or how many hours but i think you just have to be signed on to a lifeguard service so because i wasn't um signed on to a lifeguard service pretty much anything i win or um anytime i go through to the next round they wouldn't even record the name or they wouldn't even take it down you know there's no medals it's you're an exhibition athlete which which is great because I think that it, it kind of gives me the drive to get over there and work, work and try be part of what your system is. So I think that kind of just sparked a little bit of a flame in, in my, in my body as well. Well, on behalf of Wrightsville beach ocean rescue, I would like to invite you to our beach. We have a, a, a I'd like to say the best beach in the world. I mean, it is quite beautiful sure. and um, sure. I believe you would love this town. So please look us up, consider us, uh, the season starts in April. I mean, that's the dead of your winter and, um, yeah. you know, April. No, no, really. It's, it's the beginning, beginning of June. So, um, it's, it's a three month, um, really short period and, um, take a look at us. Hey, that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah no, make sure you get up. I'm, I'm keen to get over the USA. I don't know. I don't really care where it is, but I would love to lifeguard over there and, you know, see what it's all about and definitely race another nationals. And did you say you're in uni at the moment? So I'm, I'm done with uni. Um, now I'm just, now I'm just living. Now I'm just, just working. Um, what did you study? I, I don't mean to keep us going, but I, that's, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah so I, I studied sports and exercise science and I kind of got to the point where I didn't quite get the degree, but I got the job that I wanted. So I, I went, you know, if I can, I've got all the skills and all the base and everything. Um, and I've learned enough that I can go do this job. So I applied for the job got the job as a coach and that's kind of like, you know, I've got, that, that's literally my apprenticeship. I went and did my year um, coaching and I knew it's something I want to come back to. Um, so I've kind of changed my mind. I do want to go back to uni, but I'm thinking more of a, more of a business thing. So I really want to, um, you know, have something that I can kind of work anywhere. So if I can work on a laptop and be anywhere in the world, um, that's kind of my goal from now because I, I want to train again. I want to surf, I want to live my life. But I think going and traveling to work and doing a nine to five isn't for me. So I think if I can do something, whether it's marketing or, or running a website or going and learning how to do that would, would be a dream. So I kind of flipped from um, the whole coaching and sports side to, to doing something like that. But, you know, that's just when you're young, things change. And well, yeah, I mean, the business mind here seems to think the two cross pollinate greatly. You, you could uh, hmm. have an exercise science business online for sure and you, for sure. you would kill it but yeah 100 so we'll see how we go
Yeah, Sam, again, I, um, I'm very thankful for you taking the time. I hope you have an amazing dive experience coming up in the next few minutes. And uh, how are the conditions today? Are you, what are you looking at? Yeah, they're looking good. I mean, there's not a lot of wind and the, obviously where we go dive, we try not to go when there's a bit of swell. So it's looking pretty, pretty bloody good. So I'm pretty excited. Are, are you uh, um, going for anything in particular or, or just for uh, fitness? Is this uh, so, fish or, uh, or fitness? Well, yeah, no, the way I look at it is okay, okay, you can go to the shop and you can go buy your food. And, you know, who, how long has that been in the freezer or where has that come from? Whereas if I go off here, jump on the jet ski, go and plug a few fish, I know exactly where it's come from. Um, it's, it's free, I guess. I mean, you pay for fuel, but it's free food. So I just go and do that. You know, that's what, that's what I love. I don't really care what I get. Um, obviously, there's some species that, you know, are pretty, like people kind of look at it and go, oh, yeah, like you've done well there. So every time I go out, <clears throat> I go out thinking, let's just go get one of these or one of these. And, you know, obviously, bigger the better, more food you got. Um, so yesterday I went out and, you know, filled the freezer, which I'm pretty happy about. So go out today and see if I can overflow the freezer. <laughs> well, Sam, enjoy your Sunday. And thank you again awesome. for, for joining us here on Speaking from Water. And it's uh, been an absolute honor. So easy, Sean. Thank you so much. It was awesome. I love talking to you. Hey, bro. And uh, hopefully we can do it again. Sounds good, mate. I'm testing Yeah, and hey, I'm serious about Wrightsville Beach. I'm going to send you some information. We have a really great university here, uh, UNC Wilmington, and they, uh, oh, cool. yeah, they're sick. So, yeah, if we said, can figure something out, we'll make something work. All right, dog. Have, right, have, have a great afternoon, morning. Catch you later. Morning. Later. <laughs> Catch you. Peace.